0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined by my co-host and co-founder, Helen. Hello, everybody. And we're here, as always, to help you develop the skills you need for a squiggly career. And this week we've actually got two exciting bits of news to share before Ooh, we get into the podcast. Drum roll. Drum roll. Well, I my mean, best
2: drum roll, Sarah.
1: <laughs> it's sort of a slightly anti-climax in terms of the first one because we might have forgotten last week that it was our 50th podcast. <laughs> so This, <laughs> this is, is our ac- 51st podcast. It is our 51st <laughs> podcast. So we definitely talked about, oh, that's going to be a really big milestone and really exciting. And we want to say thank you to everyone for supporting us Reviewing us, giving us lots of ideas, and just how much we appreciate it. We just forgot to say it in the 50th 50th podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, retrospectively, we would like to thank everyone for supporting us over the last 50 episodes. We have had so much useful feedback. People seem to find them, you know, really helpful. So, here's to the next 50, I guess. Oh, it's exciting. And the other bit of news, which we are slightly more organized about, is that next year we're really excited to be able to share that we're going to be writing a book. And that book's going to be called The Squiggly Career. Probably no surprise there for the people (laughs) listening to The Squiggly Careers podcast. And it's going to be published by Penguin, which as somebody who absolutely loves books and reading, to have the opportunity to publish a book with such an iconic publisher is basically my dream come true. I think that might be it. I think after that I might just be done.
2: (laughs) I feel so happy because I just feel like I, like I, genuinely everyone Sarah loves reading and I feel like that, that we're doing it with Penguin is such a yeah if, if, yeah very very special really excited it's gonna be a lot of hard work getting it already but I think we're just really happy as well that we can have just a resource that can really help people and if you listen to the podcast it'll have everything in one place all of our tools all of our models and so it'll be a really kind of practical aid for your squiggly career so very excited.
1: And it also gave Helen the opportunity to steal the penguin that her son has as a little <laughs> cuddly toy so that we could do a boomerang for Instagram, which I got very excited about the penguin as a publisher. Helen got very excited about the, the cuddly toy boomerang that we did. <laughs> I had to really sneak that penguin
2: out of my house because my little boy would not have been happy if he knew I took his penguin on a day trip to London. <laughs> so, uh, but he was home safe and sound. And uh, yeah, my parenting uh, was still kind of intact as my little boy hadn't noticed it. So
1: we good. So I'm sure we'll share as we start writing, we'll share all the ups and downs, no doubt, that we'll be involved in writing that book. But we just wanted to share it with everyone because you'll start to see it if you do follow us on things like Instagram. So, maybe on, Sarah, go on.
2: episode 100 could be how to write a book because hopefully by then, it, you know, when we just find out. I was desperately trying to think and... ahead
1: then to think, when would that be? Yes, it should be. There you go. B- about then. You yeah. need to write that down because there is absolutely you no. Know, <laughs> if we couldn't remember last week that was our 50th podcast, by the time we get to 100, we are not going to remember that's what we need to do. <laughs> I put it in the diary, my um, action put, put, for today. Put, put it in the diary. So, let's move on to this week's topic where we're going to be talking about creativity at work and we're going to cover what it means for us when we think we've been at our most creative and five ways that you can be more creative in your job tomorrow. It doesn't matter what job you do, we think everybody usually enjoys and gets lots of value from being creative. And we're going to finish by talking about some ways that you can think about funding some of that creativity, whether that's funding through cash or how you find the time and those kind of things. So Helen, it's probably worth kicking off with thinking a little bit about what creativity actually means in terms of how we define creativity and also why creativity is particularly important within the context of Squiggly Careers. Yeah, well,
2: I think some people think about creativity as uh, like art, you know, like they kind of think it's it's about drawing or this kind of like natural talent that you're born with and therefore creativity is just those people that work in art and design. Um, Whereas I definitely recognise that as a perspective on creativity but I am much more of like a practical creative person at work like I don't do art and design I can't I can't draw as anyone who's been on our courses can see but I do consider myself a creative person particularly a creative thinker so for me creativity means connecting existing thoughts or ideas or concepts and using those to create new ideas and kind of novel outputs so for example if there's a problem on a project for me creativity means where you take all the how it's been done before or how other people are working you bring some external thought you're kind of taking all these sources of ideas that already exist and something creative happens in your brain <laughs> where you you connect those things uh, almost you put them in sort of like a, a mental blender and then you come out with this new approach or new idea and it's okay if that's a bad idea like it's not saying that has to be a perfect idea but it's just that process of put something into the kind of mental blender putting it all together coming out with like a different concoction at the end of it that's sort of what it means to me and I think that that broadens the definition of what creativity is and it means that people who go oh I'm not a creative actually if you think about well it's about collecting ideas and connecting them and coming up with something different that i think more people might feel comfortable with that and more people might identify themselves as having a talent there
1: what what do you think yeah i i think this creativity is across a really wide spectrum can cover a really wide spectrum so of course if you are i and i know some of these people if you can you know create sculptures or paintings or those kind of things that is almost i suppose maybe creativity in its purest form or oldest Mm -hmm. form potentially um and I always think you often admire the things you can't do. So I do look at that and think, wow, that's that's incredible because that's very far from the kind of creativity I I can do. But I also look at some of the most creative people I've worked with and they're maybe in some disciplines that people don't necessarily associate with being creative. So, you know, whether they're people who are accountants or in procurement or some of those, dis, you know, those areas that, you know, we both work in marketing, which is quite close to creativity, however you look at it. But actually, I've worked with people who I think their ability to spot opportunities to do things differently and to improve things and to make new connections, as you were talking about, I think that is just as valuable in terms of creativity. It's just a different type of creativity, isn't it? And I think the word has lots of connotations and it's almost like, uh, you know, when we talk about like networking and that word has a lot of connotations in terms of it's negative or positive. I think when you ask someone, are you creative? Because most of us associate creativity with like, you know, the kind of at school painting time, I think we still that that is the kind of dominant (laughs) perception that if you're not good at that bit, you can then end up applying that to just almost uh, limiting your own abilities by going, oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not creative. Whereas actually, most people I work with, if not all the people actually I work with, I sort of see have an element of creativity, it's just different depending on, you know, what, what they bring to that project or task.
2: You gave me a real flashback then when you were talking about uh, school. I remember at school doing like a still life lesson where we had to draw dead fish on a plate. Um, and yeah, that, that that did not inspire my creativity. But to, just thinking of your original question around creativity and, and also in the context of squiggly careers. So... For me, this skill of creativity that we're talking about in its broadest sense, rather than maybe there's this pure can you draw fish on a plate sense, is that I think it's very useful in a squiggly career because it's a real differentiator for you and your company. So when there's a lot of change going on, you might be moving from uh, role to role, your ability to come into a business and connect all the different places you've been, the different people you know, the different things you've seen and use all of that insight and knowledge and create something new for the organisation that you're in is a real differentiator for you. And it's a way of having value from the things that you've done before, which I think a squiggly career is going to give you loads of that. It's going to give you lots of options to have done other things because you're going to move around quite a lot in it. I think the average is, um, well, at the moment, I think the average is sort of 10 different jobs in your lifetime, but I actually think that's going to increase... Also in a squiggly career, you've got lots of different options in your future. And I think uh thinking creatively about those, how you can apply your strengths in different contexts and maybe in different industries and stepping out of your profession, I think creativity in that sense opens up your possibilities. So we often talk about, you know, previously there was quite a linear career path. Thinking creatively about your career really opens up your possibilities, which helps you to develop and grow and be more fulfilled in the jobs that you're doing. <laughs>
1: Should we think a little bit about when we are at our most creative and perhaps share some of our thoughts? Because I think it's helpful to almost start to be specific about if you can identify for yourself, you know, what conditions or projects or what certain things spark creativity in you. Once you know that, you can also look for opportunities to spend more time doing those things. So I thought of three things where I can identify certain situations where I just know I'm at my most creative because I I feel a difference, I guess, in these kind of scenarios. So the first one for me is actually spending time by myself first in terms of, and usually just going for a walk by myself and then having the opportunity to share initial ideas with someone who will build and critique those kind of thoughts I've had in a really constructive way. So for me, there's something about making sure that I spend some time or create time to be by myself, but actually actively moving and there is actually quite a lot of research around the importance of like moving your body and it's why you can see a trend at the moment around people doing things like walking coaching which I think we've both Mm. um we both had before because there is something about being on the move looking at things around you uh, almost you're not being super focused on just thinking about I must come up with an idea for this thing you're just experiencing and thinking you're letting your mind wander and I often find that as I'm doing that I then almost think, oh, actually, this could be really interesting. Or what happens if we did that and that? And I'll just be thinking things through in my mind. And then that's often where you 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 probably can tell sometimes where I've done that because then you get about a million WhatsApps. (laughs) I then suddenly go, "Don't know what you mean." Had a few had a few thoughts, and then you'll literally just get five or six things, and they can be anything from really practical ideas to, or I've had a really big idea or something that's. And I I I don't know how you you find that because I suspect actually when I was reflecting on this sometimes those kind of things almost come out of the blue for you because I've not sort of teed those up to say oh I've spent some time thinking about this thing I literally just go I've had an idea this is it (laughs) (laughs) which actually I think I did yesterday for you didn't I (laughs) a
2: little little bit Um, a little bit.
1: One of the things that um, then I think in that first thing is incredibly valuable is to know if that's a good condition for you in terms of commitment with ideas, knowing the people who you can then show those ideas with, who can then help you to build on them. So there I just talked about clearly I share some of those ideas with Helen. But I also have a real memory now and actually thinking back to it, I realise how generous this person was with their time of a very senior person I used to work with who would make time for me every week. Where essentially... This is all I would be doing. I would literally just be having a coffee with her and saying, I've thought about this or what about that. And she could see that that sparked more ideas in me, enthusiasm, got the best from me. And, and some of those ideas we went on to actually do. So that was kind of my first one. Do you want to share one of yours first? And then we'll kind of come back to some of my others.
2: Yeah, I think mine is, um, it's it's not dissimilar. I don't you don't get it from being on a walk. I have lots of ideas. I seem to have them more in the morning. They're sometimes fueled by, like, if I've read an article a or... A- <laughs> normally there it's like building on someone else's thing so I'll have watched uh, something on YouTube or a podcast or uh, I've read an article and I'll be like oh wouldn't it be amazing if that happened and then the I mean I so go on brand telling there so on brand wouldn't it be amazing I know, I know. <laughs> uh, so I but then I, my idea I really extrapolate it really quickly so I build a brand I see if the URL's free I think about how you'd market <laughs> it like Within an hour, it's a full-blown business, and I've actually talked to um, I actually talked to a coach about this because what I realised was that if I, it's actually quite a signal for me. There, so if I'm bored in a job or something, this need for creativity finds an outlet. So I start building other businesses, and what I realised is that I don't actually have to build them. So what it was leading for me to was almost starting a lot of these things because it gave me such a lot of creative energy to sort of develop an idea. But I realised that the trigger was actually that I was probably bored in the thing I was doing and I should try and apply some of my creativity to the thing I was already doing rather than sort something else new. Um, And so what I do is I don't want to turn off those ideas because it's actually quite a good um, good kicker for me when I see that there now because I could tune into that's why I'm suddenly creating these five businesses. I have a book. (laughs) It's in my study behind me. And I have a book and I just sketch it all out. So I have the idea and I let myself play around with it for like half an hour. So I'll do the brand name and, you know, I'll draw whatever I think and the products and all that kind of stuff and then I shut the book and actually that is enough for me I know that there's ideas there if I ever want to pick them up but just the act of playing around with an idea thinking it through I am quite a practical creative so for me it's actually sort of putting a plan around an idea is what gives me a lot of energy but I don't necessarily need to go and deliver it so yeah that's one example of how when I start often early morning triggered by something else and what I now know is that
1: it's yeah it's it's insight into something else that's probably going on for me And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we're quite different there. Because like, I think I would be, I definitely don't work out how to deliver, but I don't think I even build it. I think my, my ideas are definitely more abstract, probably than than yours are. Um, Yeah. And actually, then we often find that when we're working together, I'll have quite an abstract concept, and often the questions you'll ask me will be like, "Well, how can you build that? How would that work?" And I'll think, "Oh, I don't know. Not really thought. Not really thought about any of that. <laughs> I not, didn't really, uh, didn't really uh, think it through properly. I just sort of had a, had an idea." But that's all. Those things are really valid, and I think sometimes people discount how they contribute to a creative process. So almost like no. Where are you at your best within creativity? Are you somebody who is brilliant, you know, more more as I've described it, kind of the the upfront abstract thinking, not as good at maybe the building the vision and the kind of how it might work. Are you somebody who's really good at realising creativity? So maybe taking mm. that diagram that Helen's just described that she does and actually turning that into a reality. Or actually, are you really brilliant at um, taking something and actually being creative to make it even better? So more of like a problem solver. I think within those sorts of different descriptions, most you, know, you can see that most people have a bit of a strength around one of those areas. So it's like how far kind of upstream or downstream is your creativity. Mm. One of the other things that I find really helpful, and this has been sparked really by kind of other people talking about this, is being creative around constraints. So Adam Morgan wrote a book called Beautiful Constraints, which I found really interesting, which was all about how brands are creative out of the the kind of the need to be because there are things that they can't change so things that are, that are out of their control that they can't change and therefore it makes them creative and actually even this morning I was listening to Farah Store, who is the chief editor of Cosmopolitan magazine and she's just released a book called Discomfort and she launched before Cosmopolitan she launched a magazine called Women's Health and she was saying how Everyone said that wouldn't work. I think there was only two or three of them. They'd got like no money. And she talked about actually how it was such a kind of creative time because you are sort of forced into it. You have to think differently because you don't have the big budgets or you have to think differently because you don't have lots of people. You maybe have to do more things yourself or you just look at other ways. And I think over time I've definitely adopted that as a kind of mantra. So rather than if something feels Difficult, or we need to do something in a different way to things I've experienced previously, because there are constraints or things out of our control. Seeing that as a positive opportunity for creativity, rather than a kind of negative, this is something that's going to get in my way, actually, can feel really rewarding.
2: Mm, I think as well, um, probably another one for me is I. I think this can actually be quite irritating for people, but I'm like super stimulated by growing things. So my creativity, if I see something that I can grow. it's like a creativity magnet for me so for example last night I was speaking at an event um, great new network that's been set up called and thrive and they are relatively new and I I get in conversation and it's just like I see how I can help them and I just come up with loads of ideas I'm like oh you could do this and you could have this every month you could do this variation and this and that and I just it just there's something in that of a um I connect with the purpose of a thing so that thing's really interesting to me and I know that I have some knowledge that can help and I just like fire off ideas (laughs) the reason I say it can be irritating is because not everybody wants to grow at that pace or there might be some other stuff going on but I'm just like oh you could do this and you could do this and you could do this and then something for me about that like that untapped potential of, of an idea or a business or an opportunity and I one of my values is growth and I just want to grow it and it just it just it sort of switches on my creativity thing inside me it's probably when I'm at my most ideasy I would say generally Sarah that you are you are much more you know you're talking about abstract thinkers you're much more of the person who would start the ideas and I would be the sort of the realizing them apart from in that context when somebody's mm. doing that thing that I'm really I can very sort of connect on a purpose level about then I sort of just want to help them and that switch flicks and yeah, I'm just like on idea overload really. I guess they become that book for me, you know, they they suddenly become, I've almost adopted their idea and try and grow it for them, um, which I'm sure everybody loves me doing.
0: (laughs) Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. Right at home.
2: Go to prettylitter.com and use code
0: ACAST
1: for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, should we go on to our... We've got five top tips for everyone to be more creative at work. Should we kick off those and start going through those and hope they're useful for people? Yeah, sure. Shall I go first? Uh, Yeah, go for it.
2: So, the first one for me is to play around with the problem that you're trying to solve... And what I mean by this is sometimes at work, uh, someone will have a problem like, how do we launch this product or how do we reduce our costs? And everybody just starts going after that problem really quickly and everyone just tries to solve that problem. But actually, um, I've done a couple of different innovation jobs in my career. And one of the things that I've learned from that is that it is very interesting (laughs) to play around with the problem and see what different solutions that you might come to and actually spend some time doing that before everybody goes, you know, off running trying to solve it. So I'll give you an example. There's actually a tool that I'll put when we put this up on the website. We'll do a post for this podcast and I'll put it on the website and I'll link to everything. But the tool is called the ladder of abstraction and it is a very Ooh. practical way. That, does, mm. that, that doesn't sound, sound like creative. Like it. Abstraction <laughs> sounds like really... <laughs> the ladder like, of abstraction. <laughs> it, it's, it's good. Um, but the, the, the tool is you start with a problem. So let's make this um, kind of really easy. So a, a real problem that I was dealing with at Microsoft, reducing the workload of my team. That was a re, you know a significant problem for me. The ladder of abstraction, you basically either climb the ladder by asking why questions or you go down the ladder by asking how questions so let me illustrate this um, problem statement reduce workload of my team I would go down the ladder, getting really practical, and say how. So that might be, well, I could reduce the workload of my team by how could I do that? I could get more people. I could reprioritize the work that they're doing. We could just stop doing some stuff people accept us to do and see if they notice. Like, they would all be very practical solutions. That's typically what most people do. They just take the problem and go down the ladder.
1: Right.
2: Now, going up it would be to say, well, why? Why? So the problem statement, reduce the workload of my team. Why do I need to do that? Well, because they're unhappy. Why? because they're stressed why because they're not doing the things that they're really good at now if you take one of those things and you then put that as the problem you're trying to solve so if I put um okay the problem I'm trying to solve is to stop my team feeling stressed I get to a whole load of different solutions I get to a can I help them with mindfulness Um could I give them a coach? Could we have more team building where we should I get to a whole load of different solutions? Mm,
1: And so you,
2: you ultimately you might go back to the original one and that's absolutely fine, but spend some time just sort of playing around with the problem and just making sure that you are you know, number one, are you solving the right problem? And number two, does this process actually generate you a few more solutions than if you'd just gone straight, straight at it really quickly?
1: Yeah, and actually, that's really prompted a thought for me. One of the consultancies that I work with in my other job is a consultancy called Blood. And what they do is they start um, every kind of piece of work in terms of problem solving by asking how might we questions. So, so, So rather than almost looking at the problem, they try and do the, like, so how might we have the happiest team in Microsoft might be a question that you would ask, or like, how might we make sure that this next year is the happiest in everyone's career. And then if you start with a how might we question, that's often more motivating. It takes you away from kind of some of the details and the specifics. And then again you get to some different answers. So I suppose all of those things around just it's being more exploratory, isn't it, coming at the problem from lots of different directions. Yes, exactly that. Well that's that's a really good one. I look forward to seeing the ladder of abstraction. <laughs> <laughs> so uh my but i guess my first kind of top tip was around just making time for creativity and i was thinking a bit about this because google have that very famous example of i think it's either 10 or 20 percent of their time 20. that they 20 that they gave to their workforce engineers. To, just, to their engineers mm, to go engineers <laughs> <laughs> to their, is it not to everyone then just yeah, to their engineers mainly the engineers right okay Mainly, they're okay. They're engineers to go right. You can have some time to work on, as I'd understood it, your own like your own project, your own outlets, see what you can build. And I'm sure they often talk about, oh, you know, some really interesting things have come from those things because you're giving people that freedom to to play and to explore. Now, I'm in some ways it's interesting you sort of saying, oh, it's you know, just their engineers because I'm slightly cautious about this because it almost implies that the rest of the time you're not being creative. But I do get the sentiment in terms of you've given people the freedom to do something that maybe isn't 100% related to their day job. So I can see how it would be helpful. But I think the the overall point for me is about once you know the scenarios where you're at your most creative, just making sure you're making time for them. So for me, I am genuinely really conscious about walking. So uh, I work in London and wherever I can, I will walk between meetings, walk to the train station, walk around. whether I'm just listening to podcasts or listening to music, I know that's really important because that actually does give me time to kind of think and reflect, and that is where I come up with some good ideas. I do make time to go to events where I know I'm going to hear really inspiring speakers because there is something about hearing inspiring people that helps me to connect dots in new ways, even if it's not about the topic. And I can think of lots of times where I've done that. So even if it feels hard because you're busy, I'll make time for doing those things because I know it gives me that spark and that moment of inspiration so i think that's the one for me i suppose it's connecting when are you at your most creative with them making sure that you're then making the time to allow yourself to, to do that
2: i i'm very much listening to you sarah but also i need to apologize if people can hear a purring because my cat is almost trying to sit on the uh, the microphone whilst we're recording this so <laughs> i apologize for that i can't that can't be comfortable um, the, the, no, I think she just wants to be close to me or be close to her, this podcast. Aww. And the yeah, they twenty. I'd be really interesting actually to hear from any uh, Googlers, if that's the right term, um, but about that twenty percent time because I have had mixed things on it. In that, um, yeah, it was. Uh, it does. It does help engineers. It really gives them the space to come up with new products, but it doesn't necessarily apply to the rest of the workforce, right? Um, and so I, I don't know, but it, it's communicated like it, like it does. So I'd be really interesting just to to hear from people if it does work as a process and if it is across the organization or not so if you if you are aware do get in touch with us at amazingif.com and um, and let us know we'd love to hear that um, my uh, second idea is about um, building on others' ideas. So sometimes I think uh, you can get a bit daunted by being the person that has to come up with the ideas all the time. And as yeah. I've kind of said, I've, Sarah is far better at that than me and I'm fine with that. But actually you
1: can You be... don't sound
2: that fine. You're like, and I'm no. fine
1: with that. <laughs> no, no, I, no <laughs> I, I, I see. I really, really value it. like it, it,
2: Because Sarah's always got loads of different ideas, like all the time, <laughs> different hours you know a day. I do mean
1: it, it's um it's really worth sharing that actually where I don't come up with those ideas is I'm not good in a room, in a like a brainstorming situation. Yeah. Like that that's never I am that's Yeah, I can I can imagine, yeah. So even though people will often think I am a good person to have in a room for a brainstorm, I potentially am if you've told me about what it is with we're gonna talk about beforehand, so I've had time to reflect and think and do some of my own thinking before. If you just put me into a room and kind of go come up with some ideas about how you can get more people listening to this podcast I, i'm never at my best then whereas i can imagine yeah. you'd be really good i bet you could come up with 10 ways that we could get more yeah, people to listen to podcasts i
2: would i think i would um get energy from the other people in the room which would really yeah. then help me to come up with ideas probably yeah. probably playing a little bit into introvert extrovert stuff that we've we've discussed on a previous podcast um but my it's kind of uh this building on others ideas so if you think maybe you're not the natural person to come up with the initial idea i think building on others ideas can be a really positive way that you can contribute and it might be something that you've heard before but there's a really easy way of like thinking about being the yes and person and not Mm -hmm. the yes but person so a yes and person builds on others ideas if sarah said oh helen i think we should do um a youtube series alongside the book i'd be like oh yes and we should get some other people on that youtube series talking about their squiggly careers rather than a yes but person would be like yes but we've already do our podcast and it might be a distraction so it's it just think about that be the yes and person build on others ideas also think about the culture you, that you create where ideas can can thrive that yes and contributes to it and there's a really good podcast on this that Adam Grant has done. It is called I think how the Daily Show can do creativity, something like that. Again, I'll put it in the in the links. But the I don't know much about the Daily Show, but it's a daily comedy show, I believe, satirical comedy in that's in the US. And Adam Grant basically goes into the team. So from a creativity perspective, their challenges every morning that team gets together and they look at the news of the day what's happening and they have to write a funny script that goes live that evening oh, so, so it- stressful. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Every day they have to go in, come up with great funny stuff. It goes out that evening and they do the next day, they do it all over again. And so what Adam Grant goes in is he goes and he sort of spends a day in the team and he sees how they come up with ideas, what the role of the manager is, because a manager can really stimulate that or it can really kill the ideas. If the manager comes in and goes, that's rubbish, that's rubbish, it's not creating the space for a sort of a bad idea to be okay and if bad ideas aren't okay then everyone just puts safe ideas into the mix which then isn't you know really new thinking so just think about the environment you create when you're in conversation with people where bad ideas are okay and they're not mocked or ridiculed and that podcast is a particularly good listen for for culture and my last thing on sort of building on others ideas it doesn't have to be in conversation what you can do and i've used this before again in innovation roles is to take different contexts and sort of smash them together for a way of generating ideas there's a good book on this again we'll link to it it's called sticky wisdom by a company called what if but the idea would be say you worked for a bank and you're trying to come up with a new financial services product for women let's just say that what you could do is say okay well let's take the kardashians if the kardashians did banking what would that look like now i'm not suggesting that you go and actually do that but in thinking about it about okay well it would probably mobile and maybe you'd do selfies of i don't think you should do selfies of your money but whatever maybe you would just thinking about how would they approach it or maybe if um you know microsoft made cars what would they look like or if um nike trained every single manager in the world on how to do management what would that look like just taking two like disconnected worlds putting them together as a source for ideas is a really powerful way of unlocking thinking um so all all stuff that i have done before and have all worked really well and that's in the context of me not being the ideas person i just sort of borrow from stuff that already exists and build on it
1: yeah and i think that is a good point there is lots of stuff out there in terms of tools techniques and questions that you can use to prompt this kind of thinking and yeah i think someone did say you know now there are very few truly like original ideas Mm. you know it's absolutely okay to copy and to just copy and then make it better or copy one thing and then add something slightly different to it in a new way or a new context i think sometimes people are searching for something that feels kind of truly original and that's what they associate with being creative and actually i see very few examples of that And my last one in terms of the the kind of top four before we get on to the fifth one is around very much kind of linked to the ideas and it being okay to fail is it's ask for forgiveness, not permission, and have that as a kind of mentality or a mindset when you're creating ideas. So don't wait for someone to tell you to be creative, or that they need an idea. It's okay to just kind of prototype or create kind of minimum viable products, or just to chat to someone about ideas that you've got. I think the reason I was prompted to think about this one is that someone told me quite recently that they came up with an idea for something that they shared with people who are more senior than them, kind of they were quite senior, and they, they almost said, oh, you know, that's not great, or it was a bit rubbish. And then this person hadn't shared another new idea for nearly two years.
2: Oh, gosh.
1: And they are and they are really good. They, you know, when you kind of go, wow, they... This individual, he comes up with lots of great ideas, connects things in new ways. I would almost say this is probably one of his like natural talents or a way that he could really add lots of value to the company that he works for. But he would had this one sort of bad experience of people not being receptive and then had almost felt too afraid to do it again. So if you are, so A, definitely do it for yourself, but also if you're the person who is kind of receiving the idea or if you're in a position to be able to encourage people to think in this way, make sure that you're kind of doing it in a way that is positive doesn't mean you have to build every idea or create every idea if I go back to those conversations I had with my brilliant boss of probably the hundred ideas I would have shared with her over the course of a year or 18 months we probably actually made five of them ten of them but that was okay I never felt like the other 90 were a waste of time they left something else or actually it helped me to learn maybe what wouldn't work but I think that ask for forgiveness not permission is a really important place to start. (laughs) So we've done four. So the four, just to summarise, were making time for creativity, playing around with the problem you're trying to solve, ask for forgiveness, not permission, and building on other people's ideas. And the last one that we wanted to share, kind of a final tip for creativity, is often people's creative ideas do need some investment, like money, essentially, to kind of fund them. And actually, I was reflecting on when we started Amazing If, we actually applied for something called the Shell Livewire, which (laughs) meant that we, um, and this feels like a really long time ago now, but we won enough money to create our first ever website. Uh, And actually, I was thinking about how much, that wasn't very much money. So I actually did quite a good job for that first website on (laughs) on not very much, really. Um, And that was a way of us being creative, of us managing to get our kind of idea into, translate our idea into something real. That was the first manifestation of the idea. And there are quite a lot of funds or opportunities to apply for grants to be creative. And sometimes I think people are just not aware of them. So it's worth searching for them just to see what's out there because there are lots of businesses now that are trying to encourage individuals and companies to be more creative. And I think it's seen as one of those skill sets where maybe the robots can't take that away from us. So, so we should we should invest in it. It is one of those things that hopefully are unique to us and though I'm sure people will argue that um, robots can be creative. And if at the moment you are listening to this um And you work broadly within marketing, which I know a few of our listeners do. And unfortunately, with this one, it is slightly biased. You do have to be female. There is um, a link which we'll put on the resources of the podcast, something called the Futures of Leaders Award, which is open at the moment, where actually you can apply to win £3,000 to fund any sort of development that you think will help you and often that is around kind of creativity and it's something that we've both benefited from it is that we've done in the past at different points in time and it is just it's, it's a really good example of one of those it's an investment that's made available for people that you just have to apply it's not a big application so if you kind of fit that criteria i would really encourage you to have a look at that oh.
2: So that is it for this week. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you can take some practical stuff out of that. You can do your ladders of abstraction and start saying yes and rather than yes but. We'll put all the links to any kind of things we've mentioned or other sources that we found and obviously the link to kind of applying for that funding as well we'll put that on a blog
1: post there's lots of resources yeah this there week, are quite a there? Few. i think i think we've probably got about 10 or 11 there's books there's articles and actually a lot of them we haven't talked about in the actual podcast so it's really worth checking them out this week because there's there's lots of inspiration there
2: so head over to amazingif.com and you'll be able to find that under the, uh, the blog section next week we are going to be talking about leadership lessons so sarah and i have worked for some brilliant leaders and we've all also been mentored by some met some just listen to some and we kind of accumulate all this stuff because we're super passionate about it and we also want to be really good leaders too now and in the future so we are going to distill that into a half an hour or so podcast next week for you so that will be live next week until then there are lots of ways that you can stay in touch with us you can follow us at amazing underscore if on twitter which is where we share lots of articles and things we've been reading also on instagram that's more a bit like a day in the life of what we've been up to and we do a daily careers tip on instagram stories or if you've got any feedback or thoughts on future podcasts just email us at get at amazingif.com. and we also super appreciate any reviews that you could put on places like itunes because that helps more people find out who we are and what we do and that helps us to help more people develop the skills to be happy in their squiggly career so that is it for this week i think we'll leave it there and we'll be back with you soon bye everyone bye everyone